welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. I'm delighted this week to welcome the actor, singer, producer, Anthony Stewart Hicks to the show. When young Ant was 17, a scouser boy from Liverpool with a big voice that he describes as always sounding 40 years older than he was, he successfully auditioned and was offered a place to train at RADA. However, his local authority couldn't stop up the grant for him to take up his place and this young man felt his path was still set to take him to work on the stage, but in another direction. His instincts were correct and he's developed a successful career as a professional actor and producer and has pleasured audiences across the nation with his commanding stage presence, award-winning panto dame and ugly sister work and has personally had me roaring with unabashed laughter with my family at the Mercury Theatre in Colchester over recent years. Ant considers himself an actor more than a singer, although his relationship with his singing voice is still developing. Ant is also a producer and has been in the business for approaching 20 years now. His path being more learning on the job has led to a fascinating relationship with his voice that's resulted in him realising the deep connection that we have with our voices. This is an interview everyone can take something away from. I thank him for being so open to being vulnerable and sharing how his voice has helped him in his darkest of times. I love the way Ash describes singing the songs with extra value when you feel that connection with the lyric and the storytelling within the song. How he describes having the confidence to crack once in a while, I feel is a great way of describing letting go of ego and becoming a vessel of truth. So, um, yeah, my first question to you is, how would you describe your journey with your voice so far? It's certainly been plagued with contention for me. Really? Yeah, because I have a very naturally classical sounding voice with a very... It's a strong vibrato. It's very legit, I suppose, is, is, the, is the more uh, contemporary way of describing it. But what it has, what is interesting about it is when I sing, I sound 40 years older than I actually am. So certainly as regards to castability, the entirety of my performing life, I played generally no less than 30 years senior. Gosh. Uh, and, and because my voice, my vocal ability, and because it was always very loud, because I trained as a kid with a guy called Gerald Hunt, and he despised amplified sound. He was a, he was a very rotund, very loud Yorkshireman. He was always amazed at this skinny little scouse boy who had this very deep, very resonant, very powerful voice so you know my kind of range of songs when I was a kid starting off were Gilbert and Sullivan trying to trying to get my voice used to being able to be powerful on a patter song which has done me amazing justice uh, mm-hmm. over the years you know but also you know the kind of singers that I like to listen to are people like Matt Monroe, people like uh, um, 
Joe Longthorne, I thought, was incredible what he could do with his his vocal ability. Yeah. Whether or not he was vocally healthy, but his vocal ability was incredible. You know, and musicals-wise, you know, I mean, the kind of parts that I've played and I love to play are the equivalent to, like, the managers in Phantom. So something which is quite operatic and classical sounding, but it's also got that patter element to it. Yes. Where the songs that I trained my voice to sing were songs like Music of the Night, which is not naturally where my voice goes, but I when I was much younger I trained my voice to do it and actually I found it remarkable what the voice is capable to achieve Mm. through some training and through some healthy training now as I've kind of got older I've I've embraced more that 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 bigger sound because I think my age I turned 36 on Monday and actually my my um my singing my singing voice kind of suits my age a bit more now but it's definitely been contentious because I, I I I always wanted to be a tenor, yeah. And I'm not a tenor because a tenor, of course, is the more showy voice vocally. But actually, I've got a damn good belt on me, mm. and um, it, I think my voice caters for the kind of often more melancholic sounds I like to sing. I mean, you know, my my kind of party piece to put it in 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 a very crude way but my party piece is a song something like my way or something like if I never sing another song because it's got such a range for a a, a baritone to be able to present but also it can be acted yes absolutely and um it's more the words and the more the way the score is written uh, that really just take me on a journey as a, as a uh, I, I think I'm more a Barry Tenor. I don't know. It's been yeah. so long since somebody's said this is what you need to be now. Yeah. And funnily enough, as I've got older, the 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 want to go back into some kind of formal vocal training has been is always coming back to me. I think when you're not singing all the time, you know, I was touring in musicals for 10, 15 years where you're doing really rigorous warm-ups every single day you're singing at top capacity every single day sometimes twice a day and then you're going out to the pub (laughs) and you're shouting you know and then I go and do something completely different at Christmas which is panto where my spoken voice in panto is put in a different part of my voice because I go back to my scouse roots so it's all at the back of my throat yeah you know, and then I, I have to sing as I sound. So I have to then change that to make it work. You know, there's nothing worse than, and I think it was Hal Prince that said, your your singing voice should represent your speaking voice. Oh, yes. So, you know, there's no, there's no point me talking like this yeah. in a show and then singing like this. You know, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. So it, it um, there's contention there because I always think that there's more that I could achieve, but I've not quite done it yet. Well, there's still time, darling. There's still time, yeah, yeah. you know. There, there is that thing when you're younger of almost being put in a box of, oh, this is your voice type. This is what you should be singing. And like, it was interesting just to hear you say that you were waiting. You said something about 
for somebody to tell me what I'm supposed to sound like now or something like yeah. it was word to that yeah. you're the person who makes the decision of what you want to sound like mm. and then there's a sort of recipe to get you there in terms of how you take your training on and it's also really interesting to hear how you've gone back to the the more sort of twangy scouse sound when you're performing yeah. especially in panto yeah. but the good news about that is that that's a really healthy choice to make actually because of the shape you're pulling it would yeah. mean you're not working as hard at vocal fold level um, when you when you speak with that more of a sort of brighter edge. Isn't that interesting because when yeah. I when I first came down south, I, m- I moved down south when I was about fifteen. I did my first gig uh, in Panto down south in two thousand and three, and I'd always worked up north then. But my my dame is uh, you know I, I think dames certainly because it is a man portraying a, a, a woman. I play mine very much as as my nan and her nine sisters. Oh, wow. And it's a combination of them all. And funny enough, I was up there the other week and I picked up, uh, it's not seen on yes. the camera, but I got this and it's a scouse, it's scouse sayings and it's got a cob on, no need, feel ashamed, my head's chocker, e, I'm fuming. Now, for anybody who ever wants to learn how to do a scouse accent, they are the one, two, three, four, five, six, they're the, all you need, because then you go straight into it. I've got a cob on, no need, I feel ashamed, my head's chocolate, I'm fuming, it's straight away. I want to do it, can you turn it around so I can see it? <laughs> got a cob on, no need, feel ashamed, my head's chocolate, I'm fuming. <laughs> Was that awful? <laughs> and I think, it, you know, it's the quickest way to get into it. And um, so I, I just find there's a, there's a real... Um, there's an authenticity for me going back to that voice because when I first moved down south, I was told you need to get rid of that voice mm. because you're not going to be taken seriously. So I worked a lot on pushing my voice to the front of my mouth. Okay. Uh, so I get this often lilting kind of sound to my voice. So people often think I'm Welsh. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is not a bad thing. I love the Welsh, but um, it, it's 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 odd. So when when I've when I've tended to play um i think i've only ever played scouse in 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 one play apart from panto it's i generally play a higher status but it's interesting that you say it's 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 better for me to do it like that for the vocal placement and all yeah and just in terms of vocal loading so there's this it's almost like looking at it is you take the load away from the vibration element and you put more work in the filter and that way your voice is kind of it's, it's kind of got a longer battery life that way, if it yeah. makes sense. The result, what you were describing earlier, in fact, I think amazing singing voices come out of Liverpool and the North, mm. where there's a lot of natural twang in the accent. Yeah. Whereas opposed, you know, if you'd learn to speak down south where I grew up in Salisbury, um, you know, there's quite a lot of low larynx and quite a lot of like keeping it down and, and being very calm and southern. And I don't know, I'm being very stereotypical, obviously, but it just in terms of like, when that person wants to amplify, if they make that shape louder, it's harder work muscularly and, you know, aerodynamically. I'm not going to bore you with it. I'm a real geek when it comes to voice. Uh, but no, I it's, no, it's but, yeah. fascinating to hear it from that side because I never went to drama school. Uh, I auditioned when I was 17. I got offered a place at Lambda and offered a place at RADA. That year, uh, Sefton Council, because I'm from Crosby in Liverpool, which is the borough of Sefton Council, their um, 
Grant's list had changed and Rada and Lambda were off. Oh. So, you know, I'm from a working back class background and £40,000 was a no-go. Oh, God, same for me. And, uh, you know, my nan, bless her, who brought me up, she was going to um, remortgage the house and all that kind of thing to let me go. And I just thought, no, actually, everything happens for a reason. So it's clearly not my pathway to do that. So everything I kind of picked up vocally has been through working with you know other singers through different MDs and how they work and um, mm. I always I always know the sign of a good MD when their vocal warm up that they get me to do I think my God does that I, I, can my voice actually do that that is marvelous yeah I know that's wonderful because it does instill that sense of confidence one thing I wish I knew more about is the science of it all I have got quite a good um falsetto mm -hmm. but i've never ever really used it apart from in the shower i have to say <laughs> okay or on the odd occasion in a song where it actually it, it's needed to go up to there yeah to keep it softer and just just to have a, a more of an impact emotionally but it's 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 interesting because that gap between my top which i think at bells i think is on a good day a g after a lot of a warm-up, probably an A okay. is my top, top, top. The gap between that and the falsetto, I've never really... I don't know whether it exists. Oh, it does. Oh, it does. Yeah. And you'd be fabulous. You'd be fabulous because you'd be able to do so much as an actor. I love working with actors because if I give you a character to play with, it's almost like now if I said to you, make the sound of a little mouse talking or a puppy whimpering, and we started to just use that area um, yeah. in playfulness... Yeah. Then you start to process, oh, there's a shape I haven't pulled. Mm. And you, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sort of playful way to get into it. So, oh, my goodness, I'd have so much fun with you. But let's not. <laughs> Never a woman said that to me before, I can tell you. <laughs> right, so here's a question. Is there anything that you know now about your voice that you wish you'd learned sooner? Definitely the authenticity of my voice and what my natural voice sounds like, and not where either I've been asked to sing in replica of somebody else's voice, mm. or I felt it's needed to be emulated in that way, and not actually understanding the damage that that can do. Okay. So I used to do a lot of vocal impressions, and the problem with vocal impressions is that it's not it's not the healthiest thing to do sometimes because you're having to constrain and, and produce a certain shape to get the tone and the resonance of the person you're trying to emulate. Yes. And it's not actually good for what else is going on physically. So th that sometimes caused me great issue to the point where I stopped doing it actually. And yeah. um, I think now I just, I, now what I, I know now, which I, I wish I would have known, years and years ago, is the importance of a really good warm-up. Yeah, yeah, really and important. To, and to sing every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really of the camp of if you don't use it, you'll lose it, that one completely. But there is something to be said, certainly as, you get, as I'm getting older. I'm, I've just hit 45 in June, and I've been working with um, 
one of my teacher colleagues has done an amazing research project working with women the other side of the change <laughs> and researching I'm not there yet but you know it's coming eventually right um, I think I'm going there with this heat, to be honest. <laughs> yeah this heat is not helpful um so yeah so there, there are change there are changes that happen throughout our lives anyway so certainly where your voice is in your mid-30s it will be different when you get into your 50s 60s 70s 80s and in terms of looking after it as a professional voice user in, in no matter what you do you are because you're using your voice in your work all the time um yeah it'd be worth investing a little bit more into making sure you know what's coming changes and yeah. being prepared and yeah definitely because my voice now is is so different to how it used to be when when i was i call it my michael crawford phase when <laughs> my uh everything was a lot lighter and everything was very wide and uh, I used to get I used to have a lot of very stiff jaw mm -hmm. and uh, I, I worked I can't remember who it was now but I worked with somebody who said well why don't you why, why don't you just stop that and try just try just sing normal sing normally <laughs> but just, just sing naturally how you how you think you sound and I did and actually I I I did enjoy it, but I do, I do miss those Michael Crawford days because yeah. I miss being able to, well, I think I miss being able to sing some of the songs. What I haven't done is is taken those songs and then reverted them now to how I sing. Okay, so I'm going to ask you next about your light bulb moments. And I'm wondering if there's any you'd like to share, either, you know, anything anecdotal, your own journey what, or while working with others, because I guess you've worked with a lot of other people. Have any of them sort of given you some light bulb voice moments? light bulb moments <laughs> I, th I think a light bulb moment for me with 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 singing especially I think is I never really deemed myself a singer I was always an actor who had a voice and it's as I've got older actually and you know life puts you through lots of uh, roller coasters of emotions and actually going through those, going through the heartaches, going through losses, going through major moments of uh, happiness or success and it really makes you change the way you sing and I think that was a light bulb moment for me where I could use certain songs that mean something to me mm. um, to express how I was feeling and actually give the song extra value in the meaning yes. and extra value in the, in the performance of it. And I think one, one thing that I, whilst I love that, one thing that I always try, sometimes it beats me, but I do try to do is to really, I try to stop the emotion because sometimes it just, I mean, sometimes when I sing, something like my way i mean i can't express to you what those lyrics mean to me mm. but sometimes when i sing that i am inconsolable and i really have to work hard on my technique to not break down emotionally with it and actually the singing element to that gives me the control back because i have to be in control for it to a sound good and to not do any damage, mm. and I think just having the, having I think I have, also having the confidence to 
to crack once in a while in <laughs> rehearsal and get it wrong. Yes. That's a massive thing, a massive thing for me, being able to get it wrong and it not be a huge issue of embarrassment, you know, yeah. of monumental level, mm-hmm. um, because then it affects the confidence. So I think I think just having the confidence to continue to learn about your voice was a massive thing for me and it not be an issue, yeah. you know. Um, I think that, because that took me a long time because I wasn't, I wasn't a trained singer. I had had some training yeah but I wasn't a trained singer you know I mean they put newspapers down under me when I was singing initially uh like a dog but um it was uh for what purpose you know I I, <laughs> I just I just don't in case I wet myself oh I see okay okay yeah, yeah. I uh I I think I think having that confidence in understanding that it is a a tool it's a muscle it's it's you know it's a an it's an element that needs to be refined and needs to be kept healthy and needs to be kept physically fit mm. it was a massive thing for me and i've worked with some you know incredible singers incredible singers not just recently but you know previously and i i've i've you know i've seen some in, incredible singers live and they're um that that ability to to sing with absolute pure ability and joy and it and it worked together it's brilliant yeah brilliant who can you talk about any sort of memorable performances that you've enjoyed in terms of you know maybe concerts you've been to or anything like oh, who's ra- who gets you like a raving <laughs> uh queen but like that sounds like a raving queen the, one of the best things i have ever witnessed was seeing Shirley Bassey live at Manchester and she sang for about an hour and three quarters as she can only sing yeah um and it it was wonderful I just you just didn't think a voice in this tiny 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 yeah. little woman yeah would be so massive and another another um Recently, my com- my production company has invested in a, a, a West End series of concerts that comes out in September. It's called Tonight at the London Coliseum, and it stars uh, people like Sharon D. Clark, Raman Karimalu, Kerry Ellis, all very established singers and vocalists in their own right. And actually, I uh, I went to watch some of the filming being done the other day, and the sounds that were coming out of these people was just incredible. I mean, Ramin, his Mm. voice is just so pure and so fantastic. Another person who I saw on the off chance because I was invited to a charity gig at the Adelphi in Liverpool by, do you remember David Guest, who used to be married to Liza Minnelli? Yes, I do. Music producer. So I I was invited by a, a mutual friend of his and mine to this, uh, it was a charity fundraiser, and top of the bill was Dionne Warwick. Wow. Now, that must be coming up to, it must be over 10 years ago. No, no, it must be about eight years ago. And still her voice was incredible. Wow. And such a different, she's got such a different shape to her voice because she's got such a solid jaw. Yeah. And it's very, it's very wide. And you think, how can that sound come out of, you know, that shape? Uh, she was brilliant, brilliant. But I, I do sit there. I'm a 
real fan of more vintage singers. I think, you know, the, the vocals, I mean, you know, you've only got to look at somebody like Barbara Streisand, who, you know, puts down her, her, her vocal ability quite a lot. But I mean, yeah. you know, what she can do, you know, Celine Dion, incredible. I do appreciate talent. I always get a little bit jittery when I, when I watch somebody, whether it's on TV or I'm seeing them live and vocally you think, oh yeah, that's, that's lovely. You know, oh, that sounds great. Or, oh, you know, you could work on your diction a bit there. Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. But when there's nothing in the face, mm. I think what's the point? Exactly. What do you find most valuable in caring for your voice? Do you have any, I mean, you said the warm up, but do mm. you do anything else? I mean, do you notice on a, do you feel... I've got a good voice day, a bad voice day. You know, do you have your sort of inner voice? I'll tell you one thing that is not good for it, and that's alcohol. <laughs> uh, at all. Um, I mean, I I am very old school in my way of working, and I was from the school of you have a little bit of port before you go on. Oh. And I still do on the odd occasion. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think what I, I do notice sometimes when I think, you know, even if I'm just singing in the shower I think oh that sounds good today that was different and then there are others and I think oh now what's going on here what is going on that sounds a little bit guttural today what's going on there I think diet has probably got something to do with it I think what you the amount of water you probably intake has got a lot to do with it I mean I I certainly drink a lot more water than I used to uh, but that's because I'm trying to lose weight um i hear your sister yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> not that you look like you need to lose any bloody weight but well, I've, that's why that's why the camera is strategically put so you can't see my waistline i'm not going to stand up well i've lost three stone this year i lost three stone this year and then i've put i think about half a stone back on so. uh, well i lost a stone before we kind of had a holiday we had a we went to brighton and, and liverpool and suffolk recently but uh, i've just put it all on again but um i think i think uh diet only through my own personal uh, kind of uh, journey with diet and how it affects the body i mean yeah. i've recently done a, a test where and i'm so uh, the, the 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 book is that i report i got back is like 60 pages long of things that i'm actually sensitive to ah. which have affected me physically um so i i don't have dairy at all now mm-hmm. and uh, funnily enough i do feel better for it I don't feel I don't feel as clogged up vocally. Yeah, I mean that the, the dairy thing can I mean it can affect certain people. I think I don't certainly think everybody needs to avoid it at all point at no. all times or anything like that. But I certainly say to people if you feel that you're more sensitive there and you're feeling that you're a bit claggy, mm. um, then there may just be a little bit of inflammation and it may be you're producing a bit more of your mucosa because your body's reacting to the. The, yeah. the fact that you've had this um, ingredient that your body doesn't really agree with. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and I think for me, I do like to I do like to feel warm, and I like to feel very clean and clear in my voice. So I I, I do steam. Yeah. But I tell you what, I worked with a phenomenal performer called Genevieve Nicole, and she actually played my mom in at Christmas. Uh, in the panto in Cinderella, she played the Baroness, and um, she turned up to rehearsal one day with this, uh, uh, I, I can't even remember what you call it now, but it was like a steamer, but it wasn't a steamer. Was it a Dr. Uh, Nelson's? 
Is that really it wasn't bad? one of those. She oh, didn't have those. one of those, but it was like a little plastic, uh, hu- like a humidifier kind of thing that she put in her mouth. And it, it might was be something similar uh, to this. That's it. It's one of those. Yeah. These are called nebulizers. A nebulizer. And yeah. that's with, um, is it saline? saline it's done with a very, very weak saline solution. Yeah. 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 And I said, oh, that looks interesting. I said, is that warm? And she said, oh, no, 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 this is cold. Mm. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just not, no, it's, it's room temperature or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. I've never seen anybody not, you know, using a non-steam product like that. And she was, she was going through with me the differences of the two. And actually, that's something I'd invest in, one of those nebulizers. Yeah. But she was, it was, it was, <laughs> without sounding crude, it was never out of her mouth. <laughs> When she wasn't talking or when she wasn't singing, it, yeah. and the the um, she was very funny because you know she'd walk in and, and of course we were outside. It was very very damp. Mm. Um, I actually lost the hearing in my right ear for two weeks of the show. Oh wow! Uh, which was very strange. It was very odd. Um, and she would she would come in and she'd go, "Not good today for the old voce. Not good today." And she would she would be on this nebulizer and then she'd be on the steamer. Her, her throat was never not covered with a scarf when she wasn't Gosh. on stage because it was very, we were coming from a very hot stage into a very cold, damp yes. uh, area. Um, but I, I think with, when it comes to kind of vocal health, I think I don't probably know or practice as much as I should. Uh, and that's because I think you get into bad habits. Everybody does, you know, and, and even, you know, voice professionals who've been doing it for years. I think the thing is, we're all different. Our voices are all different. And it's just over the course of your life, you get used to what you can get away with and what you can't. <laughs> My last singing lesson was probably when I was 14. Okay. And it's not because I've never wanted to. And I, I think for me, I've just never, one, I've never had the time. And two, I've never really known where to go mm. because, you know, I think, do I want to go to somebody who has, has you know, is, is a Western vocal coach who might see everybody and am I going to get the kind of attention I need? It's all about me, uh, <laughs> you know, or could I afford it? And I think it's now that actually I think how much I do enjoy singing that it's actually it's a worthwhile investment to do because actually uh, if I couldn't sing Mm. or if I couldn't project or voice on stage uh, that is a lot worse than being locked in a house for a couple of months for me you know Um, because it's a great outlet for me so yeah it it is something that I'm I'm, it is on my to-do list I have to say are there any voices that you would consider that inspire you in terms of where you think you could take your voice in the future, maybe one day? There are. I don't think there's any contemporary singers who I could relate to in that way. Um, probably all the people that I could relate to are dead. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> which which is, is because that's what I was brought up on. And I think, you know, I mean, if I, if I was to, if I was to look contemporary people, I think it would have to be in the realms of musical theatre. I'll go back to uh, Ramin because of his vocal purity. Not only is he a drop-dead gorgeous man, <laughs> but a drop-dead gorgeous physique and a drop-dead gorgeous family. And, you know, he's a drop-dead gorgeous performer. But the voice is just remarkable. And 
I think having that it's 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 the effortlessness, the seemingly effortlessness that comes across from these massive jumps in in either power or or tone or key. I mean, the, the, you know, singing Lloyd Webber and all that kind of thing. But the I think I think having just having something. I would love to have a voice, and I think it. I sometimes achieve it with some songs where people can say my god that was really that that did something to me in in a positive way in a positive you know that did something to me you know there are there are certain and i have to say it's very few occasions where i have done something singing wise that's not been in a in a a musical Mm. or in in a panto or in a play with singing where actually i've felt as though i've got it right yeah i've thought actually that was probably the best i've ever sung that and 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 encompassing all of the elements of acting through song through being in the moment through getting out the the voice and 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 the actual requirements of the song as i needed them to be yeah i think they're few and far between but i think when you i think when you get them it's a brilliant moment but i think having as many techniques or as many uh as much understanding and knowledge of how to replicate that so that there is a little bit more of, a, of appreciation in what you can do is, is something that i think would always be good I yeah think. i think that would always be good but yeah i, I do i do like a um i do like a good power ballad i have to say yeah so okay so i'm going off the page now if you had to do a four-track EP yeah. with your name on it that yeah. represents what you, and it can be anything, don't matter if you can sing it now or not, but if you were going there like, that's my dream song, you'd put My Way on there. My Way would be on there. Um, a song called um, If I Loved You So. I think uh, uh, one that I think would be, um, has great sentimental value for me it's it's not the showiest song in the world but it it, it was a song that I, I i learned years ago when I, I used to do a ken dodd uh impersonation and i say a ken dodd impersonation it was hours worth of impersonation wow. and also vocal impersonation and he's got a song called think of me and i can't remember who who wrote it but it's the it's, it's a very gentle song but it is a beautiful song. That would definitely be on there. That's got a lot of sentimental value. Yeah. And trying to think of, of an upbeat one, actually. Oh, God. That's really hard. What, do you, what makes you want to dance? What gets you up on your feet and you can't resist to boogie? <laughs> Abba. Abba, uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised my other half isn't balking now in the hall at the sound of steps. Um, no, I think it was an Elvis song, Mary in the Morning. That's such a beautiful song. That's quite upbeat. Definitely my way. Definitely if I loved you so. Definitely think of me. And there was a brilliant song that I did in Panto years ago <laughs> called Baby I'm Burning, which is a um, Dolly Parton song. Oh, okay. And I loved it. Ah. It was so camp and it was so upbeat. And it was it was like a disco version. And I loved it. I belted it out. I loved it. Oh, that um, sounds like you. That sounds maybe great. That, maybe a bit of camp with that. But yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, what does the album cover look like? <laughs> you like take yourself there. Funnily enough, I think it would be me just in one spotlight in a very dark room 
uh, on a stool. I yeah. Think. I yeah. think that would be it. So your tastes um, are really classic, aren't they? Your tastes are very classic and clean. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's because there's so much. Um, there is a lot of emotion attached mm. to a lot of that classical, easy listening. Um, the, the, there is so much that I can kind of relate to. Yeah. I think the way the lyrics and stories were created through those songs, you know, they're all little stories. Yes. I, the problem that I've got with connecting to a lot of contemporary work is that I can't understand what they're singing. That's yeah. my issue. And some of them I think, oh, do you know, that's, that's love. I love that. I mean, you know, look at Skyfall, Adele. I, mm -hmm. I don't really know of Adele's singing until she sang Skyfall. But even then, I was like, oh, it's lovely. But what did she say there? Yeah. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit so, pub singing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh -huh. I, I think it, if it's got a story, yeah. I'm there really philosophically yeah what does your voice mean to you now i'm going to try not to get emotional about this because really? you saying that to me has just hit something to me there okay what my voice means to me is uh, my my singing singing not my singing but singing was a massive ladder out of the deepest darkest pit I have ever been in I had a nervous breakdown about 10 years ago now through stress uh, I was very very ill uh, I was fortunately not having to be hospitalized uh, because I had a very good support network behind me but then I was on uh, antidepressants for uh, well up until lockdown I haven't been on them since lockdown started and it's a massive achievement for me that because it was always something I wanted to achieve being in a position where I didn't need them and you know not saying I will never need them again but actually I am in a place in my life where it's really wonderful but the one thing that got me out of bed which I think anybody who has any any mental health condition or uh, experiences the most difficult thing is to get out of bed and actually it's the one thing that I uh, advocate above anything is you have to get out of bed and I used to get out of bed I used to get in the shower and I would sing for an hour mm. and then I could start the day. Oh, wow. And I, I remember not, I remember getting in the shower once and thinking not, oh, I just can't be bothered today. I can't be bothered to sing. And the day was ruined for me. Oh, wow. And being able to go to those songs that I love or those artists that I love and those, those eras that I listened to in, in, happier times before then and being able to sing with them and actually still hear that I had a voice and still could surprise myself with a voice that I think I can put my hand on heart and say that that actually I think that saved my life and uh, mm. that is I think that is very raw because I've never ever said that but I think looking back at it that that is probably the truth Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I really appreciate that. That sounds like you've been through something quite dark and scary, and I'm glad you're on the other side now because yeah, we, yeah. we all get to enjoy you. But how you know, music is a healer, isn't it? I mean, in terms oh, of so much. So, and you know, it, it's funny because I, I don't, I, I'm quite an emotional person. I do cry quite a lot watching things on TV, but because of it, it's a natural thing for me to keep a lot in emotionally. 
uh, like a defense mechanism. But when I want a good cry, the uh, do you remember the film Brassed Off? Yes, I do. Well, I used to play in a brass band. I used to be a trombonist. And um, uh, there was a piece of music I always loved to play, and I loved it in that. It's called Aranquet the Contour More. And it is the most, it's a very melancholy, I think it's a funeral march song, but it is a beautiful piece of music. It's got the most incredible swell. And when it's played by a, a, a brass band, it is incredible. I only have to hear that. I have to hear the first four bars and that is it. I am gone. And I just, I have my cry day and I yeah. just let it go. Um, but I, there's nothing, I think, more uh, wonderful as a healer than to listen to music, whether it's music to make you dance, music to make you cry, music to make you angry, you know, but just finding an outlet through singing or through speaking, you know, public speaking or acting, just finding a way to use actually the only weapon that I have, which is my voice. I'm not a physical person. I've, I've never been a fighter, but I've, you know, I've always been able to use my voice. Yeah. Um, and I've seen it on stage, how quick and <laughs> your comic timing in terms of, you know, the improv with the people in the front row who you're going to pick on that day is so entertaining. I mean, Good. it really, it really is. Because it's not as entertaining for the people I'm working with because they're terrified. <laughs> yes. They never know what I'm going to say, but I don't rehearse that. You know, it, it's, no. I genuinely, genuinely do not know what I'm going to say. I think that's the best way and that's how it comes across too, because if, you know, you can... Um, I've seen things sometimes where I've gone to see a client in a show and I've gone, not with your pantomime or anything, but where you've seen the same thing, you know, yeah. night after night. Yeah. Because um, it has to be the same. It has to be the sound for the sign, same for the sound guy. It has to be the same for everything. But I think that's what I love about the naughtiness of pantomime is that you can break all the rules. You break the fourth wall. You can pick on the yeah. audience. And, uh, and I, there's been many a year that I've sort of said to my family, can I, can I just stick dad in the front row? Go on, it'd be funny, you know, just because I want him to get picked on. You know, I've lost friends. I've lost <gasps> oh friends God. because of it. No. I have, I have. I've lost friends. My family uh, are very supportive and they now, well, they found out very, very quick. They always sit at the back. <laughs> always, always. But actually, it's generally not the people I know that I, I pick on because... Yeah. That doesn't make my brain work. What my, what makes my brain work in regards to ad-libbing is if I say to somebody, I am at your right, what do you do for a living? And they say, I'm a gardener. Mm. I, my brain automatically goes to gardener. Mm. What things can I say that have got potential double meaning? Yes. To get a laugh. Uh, and that's how my brain works. But I did a lot of stand-up and also, you know, it stopped me getting bullied at school yeah but yeah it's 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 that off the cuff element that I, that I love but I can only do that because I before the show opens I will know that show back to front so that actually I can break my my journey to to you know and I'm very grateful because you know people like Dale who is marvelous and he's a, he's he's a brilliant um feed to, for me, if he sees a laugh coming, he will feed me something to egg me on. But also, he's, uh, I, I, I'm very much, I like to see the people who I'm working with get a laugh as well. It's not all about me getting the laughs. Because yeah. if they can get a laugh from something and I can then get a laugh from it and they can develop another laugh, it all works. So, yeah, it is um, it is quite good. It's the one thing I'm really missing already. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd be thinking about potential gags for Christmas. But um, 
I'll just have to pick on my other half, David. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You know, it's fun. It's great fun. And it's been an absolute pleasure. So I have one last question before we finish. Yeah. I think you've almost answered it on the way through, actually, because I think we might be on the same page on it. But what is vocal freedom for you? Vocal freedom for me is um, having the knowledge that your voice, a voice, the voice, and however you want to expel that voice and deliver it and promote it and advocate that voice has got more value than nothing the individual will ever know. And that they need to embrace that, to learn about it and to understand the power that it brings, not just from a freedom of expression point of view, but also from a well-being point of view. That if it helps you to belt out something and chase the saboteur or the, the inner voice or whatever it is that is telling you you can't well just do it because actually that will have more power to it so vocal freedom to me is sing out sing out loud and if you were born to do it then do it and don't ever say i can't thank you brilliant my mother um used to say there's no such word as can't yeah, yeah. It was, I don't know where it came from, but um, yeah, if you ever said, oh, I can't, yeah. there's no such word it's, it's as can't. Also, it's also the first <laughs> argument I have with directors who I work with and say, you can't say that, oh, yes, I can. There's no such <laughs> thing as can't. Yes, yeah. absolutely, you know. yeah. And you listen, you've come so far already. What an amazing journey you've had from Liverpool, from your, or from, was it Crosby you're from originally? Yeah, from Crosby. The most, the most notable people from Crosby, as I found out from Wikipedia the other day, yes. are my cousin, actually, Martin Andrews, who's a very well-known presenter. And he lives in Essex now. He lives in Southend. I live in Essex now. I'm in Chelmsford. Yeah. Uh, but uh, who was it? Sherry Blair, Anne Robinson. They're all from Crosby. Cool, that's quite a lot of uh, you then. Yeah, but I've, I've lived everywhere. Crosby, Jersey, Dubai. Wow. Uh, Southampton. Gosh, what a journey you've had. Cool. Yeah, I get around a bit. Get around yeah. a bit. And you're settled where you are now. And, and congrats on the, on the production stuff. I've, I'm, I've only, I'm, obviously, you've been doing it 20 years and it's, a, it's been around a long time, but I just saw the link for your new website. Yeah, it launched today, yeah. the new website. Yeah, I just so. wanted a bit of a, you know, uh, a bit of a different look and it's allowed me to um, just launch some of the things that we're doing so that's really nice amazing yeah. at the minute the Mercury Theatre in Colchester mm-hmm. fabulous place uh, I'm part of a, a group of mentors professional mentors that are working with uh, regional based creatives to help them expand on what they want to achieve whether that be as a writer a costumier a singer a uh, set designer, a lighting designer, anything, any job that they want to do that's within the realms of the creative businesses. Yeah. We're helping them achieve that through guidance and mentorship that is being funded. It's funded by the European Union and uh, it's facilitated and presented by the Mercury Theatre. They have just released a second cohort opportunity. Oh. So I would say anybody who is wanting to develop a career and want some guidance check out their website look up the mercury 
uh, creatives program okay brilliant see what it says thank you so so much for being with me today i've loved getting to know you a little bit oh good um, good so you know nice to be asked uh, bye, take care bye, bye. <laughs> thank you for joining me on the vocal freedom podcast i hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links, and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time. <laughs>